This is Greg Lazinski, and you're listening to Baseball BBQ. Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Musings Podcast, and you're listening to Jeff and Len on Baseball and Barbecue, one of my favorite podcasts, and I know it's one of yours, too. The only problem is, after I get done listening to it, I'm hungry. All right, guys, take it away. This is a very special episode. It's the road trip edition of Baseball and BBQ, episode 30. Jeff Cohen is my co-host. He's sitting right next to me, and we are road tripping. On our way to Atlantic City. We're, we're heading to the Barbecue Expo. But in the meantime, since we have a couple of hours in the car, yeah. we're going to uh, talk a little baseball. Let's do it. Let's, we're, we're on the Belt Parkway, driving to Atlantic City. Let's talk baseball. What, what better? Right, what pe- <laughs> What better place to talk baseball than on the belt? Absolutely. So, Len, you know, there's a couple of items that's been in the news lately. Yeah. There's a lot going on. A lot right? going on. Well, you know, Bryce Harper just uh, recently signed a contract with the Phillies. He uh, signed for 13 years, 330 million. 13 years. Yeah, I- he rejected 10 million, 300 million because he needed the security. Well, yeah. No, he the, no, I mean, 10 years, $300 million. there's no security Absolutely in that. Not. But that extra three years, that's there's his security. Right, and wow. he, he just really wanted to break Giancarlo Stanton's record contract of 320, 325. So he had to get above that, which he did. But his average per year is, is in the mid-20s, which I feel that, you know, once, once other players start getting, making more than them, well, then him, he's going to want to start uh, bailing out of that Phillies contract. But that's a couple of years. Hey, he has, he has a no opt-out on that. No um, opt-out, no right? trade, but right. you know, so did other, other players, and they were able to get out. Now, what he said, all right, so what he said is that he wanted it so that other players would come to the team. They'd see that he's staying there. He's almost doing it like a LeBron James when he goes to a you know a basketball team like recruiting other players. Only problem is he's like trying to recruit uh, Trout, Mike Trout, right? Who's not a free agent, and supposedly this borders on tampering for him. He's he's actively uh, trying to get Mike Trout when he becomes a free agent to come to the Phillies. That's true, and you know what, Mike Trout is a superior player to Bryce Harper, oh, yeah. and so Bryce is getting three hundred million. You know what's what's Mike what Mike Trout is going to get now. I know he's not available for free agent for two years, but still, no matter what, he is just so much better than than Bryce Bryce Harper. Yeah. Can the Phillies afford right. a forty million dollar player and a thirty million dollar? Who knows? Right, and then so you'll have two two players that'll t- be taking up most of the payroll, and then you you're still going to need pitching and, and the other positions. I it's just it's crazy. I, I, I for, to think that they're going to get. Uh, him as well. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but we'll. I mean, we'll see. What do you oh, think? We'll you think you think Mike Trout's going to come to the Phillies? Well, you know, he is from South Jersey. He's a Philly guy. Right. That's his favorite team. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Uh, you know, money always talks in the end, right? Right. I mean, you know, Bryce wanted to go to the Yankees, and that didn't happen. Right. Uh, he could have gone to the Giants. That that didn't happen because uh, he, he's going to hit more home runs in Philadelphia in the rinky dink. Paul Park, Philadelphia is, you know, the Yankee Stadium of the National League. Right. Well, we went there. And uh, remember, we uh, we interviewed Greg Luzinski, Bulls Barbecue, and that it's a beautiful park, but it seemed very small. It, it's a small park. A lot of home runs there. Right. But you know what? At least the Phillies are trying to win. Yeah. Not like the Marlins. <laughs> is this topic number two? Topic number two, the Marlins. Derek Jeter says... The experience is more important than the winning. I'm paraphrasing. I'm not sure the exact what he said, but it, if that was the gist, what do you think about that? Uh, what What's the experience? What are we experiencing? The the team that's selling off all their players because they just their last chip was JT Real Muto, right? So, how long is this rebuild going to be? Who, who knows? But I've been to the Marlins ballpark. It's it's okay. I wasn't t- terribly impressed with it. 
I mean, I loved the uh, Pittsburgh PNC Park was right. much nicer. Uh-huh. Uh, Marlins Park is eh, it's okay. It's a nice, nice new park. They did get rid of that uh, that sculpture in center field, mm-hmm. but you know the, they're not really trying to win. They're trying to recruit people to come to the ballpark for the experience. Now, when I went, there wasn't a lot of people there. They don't go. Yeah, the, winning winning is the experience. You know, it's. How much of an experience is it to go see a team lose constantly? Well, here's the exact quote. This is professional sports. I feel bad for even saying it, but it's impossible to win every single game, Jesus said. One thing you always remember is the experience you had while you were at the park. We want it to be a positive experience. We want people to enjoy themselves. And look, a lot of times people come and they don't know who, who, who won or lost. Sometimes they don't know who was playing. Well, you know what? If they're going to the Marlins Park, I, I expect the Marlins to be playing. <laughs> I mean, it, this is the same. Wait, this is the same Derek Jeter that with the Yankees was winning is everything. Uh, what was number two in the program? Number one in our hearts, to quote um, Steve, uh, Summers. Steve Summers, right? Um, come on! All of a sudden, now he's uh, management, and and his tune is totally different. So, trying to rationalize the fact that he's sold off every player that they had. To finish the quote, he said, "They don't know if they had a good experience, and that's what the, that's what we're focusing on for the experience at the ballpark. If they don't win, people aren't going to want the experience. Exactly. Win. You know what? Winning trumps all. Yes, You're going to uh, win. People will come, and you can charge the most amount of money. People will come if you're winning. If you're losing, they're not going to come. If they want an experience, they're in Florida. They want experience. They'll go to Disney." That's an experience. If they want to, if they want an experience with baseball, they want to see a team win. That's a winning experience. Right. The only way they're going to increase attendance is by winning. Right. Don't, don't, don't. You know, don't remove the statue. Don't, uh, you know, oh, you have all these promotional days, which is fine. That's fun. Everybody likes getting right. the bobbleheads and stuff. Uh-huh. But in the end, winning will bring the people. Right. Well, and you're- Derek, you're supposed to be a winner. And what are you doing? So of course they, you know, they've traded off all their chips. Like I said, Real Muto was the last one. And if these prospects pan out, then in a few years, they'll they'll win. You know, they'll they'll build up again. I mean, the Marlins are the team not under this ownership, but remember, they won two World Series in a very short amount of time. They built up. They spent a lot of money. They won a World Series. They broke it down. They built up again. They won a World Series. They broke it down. So now you got new ownership, and and they're basically they came in. They got rid of Stanton, right? They got a John Carlos Stanton goes to the Yankees um, for a bag of balls, by the way. Well, yeah, maybe, but I mean the pl- I, the the players that they got, I'm assuming, are still with the organization. Oh yeah, you have Stalin, Stalin Castro still there, but that was the only name that, that went. So basically, they were trying to get rid of the money. He, he also he was also of the of the thirteen year contract. Right? right, right. He wanted to stay in Miami. He said, "Oh, I want to stay here thirteen years. That's my contract." And you know, two years later, he's out. Yeah, th- well, again, thirteen years. I, I, th- anybody that you talk to thinks ten years is ridiculous, but thirteen years is, is just insane. Really, what is he going to be at the end of that contract? I've, back to Bryce Harper, I'm talking about. But okay, anyway, we're on topic two, the Marlins. Right. Sorry. So I wanted to bring that up, but uh, you know, let's let's talk about this. I did a analysis. Is this topic three? This is topic three. Topic three on the road with Len and Jeff, Jeff and Len, baseball and BBQ. So, <laughs> I did an analysis of the last nine seasons, Ooh. 2010 to 2018. That encompasses nine full seasons, and I took a look at the win the wins totals of each of these teams. Do you know which team had the the, the best average, averaging 91 wins over those nine years. You know what team that is? Uh, wait, 91 wins. Of, well, the obvious. So obvious, I'm going to say Yankees, but that's wrong. It can't be the Yankees, right? It's the New York Yankees. Okay, I, I thought I thought that one's so obvious that it's not right. Okay, the Yankees. Number two was the Los Angeles Dodgers with 90 wins, averaging okay. the last nine years. Right. You know what those two teams have in common? Uh, no World Series. No World Series. Now, yes, they've been in the playoffs. Yankees have been in the playoffs six years. No, no World Series. Okay. Dodgers have been in one, two, three, six years. 
no World Well, the Dodgers have been to the World Series. Yankees have not been to the World Series in those nine years. Interesting fact, though. Since the 1920s, the Yankees have appeared in at least one World Series in each decade. Except, and if they don't win, and if they don't get to the World Series this decade, it'll be 100 years where they did not, in a decade, they did not get into the World Series. You cannot, yeah, but the Yankees are a winning organization. As, as I mean, look, everybody knows that we're Mets fans, but I still, I respect that team. They're a winning organization. This, this, this. I'm not taking anything away from them. I'm just saying the fact that, you know, there's people out there who like the fact, oh, you know, who, who would rather them, if, they, if they're having a down year and they get 82 wins, oh, at least their, their win streak of being over 500 is intact. But you know what? To me, it's winning championship is the, is the uh, main thing. Yeah, it is the main thing, but... Uh if you're rooting for a team that you know isn't going to win a championship that year, you got to have something else to root for. So you got to root for them to get better and whatever. I mean, yeah, with the Yankees, it seems like it's it's championship or bust. But for most teams, you know they're not going to win a, a championship. Right. And the third team actually tied with the Dodgers is the St. Louis Cardinals. 90 they, wins. Yeah, they that organization has a long win. Uh, winning tradition. St. Louis is a great place for baseball. Five times in the playoffs the last ten, last nine years, one world championship in, in 2011. And they they don't have pool holes, you know, obviously for a while, but they just, they do it right. After, after Dodgers is, is Boston, who, who averages 88 wins, and we know the last uh, couple of years they've been very good. Two, yes. uh, two world championships in the, in the playoffs four times. Right. And then it goes down to Washington at 87 wins. But, again, they never get over the hump. Right. No. no. Washington. No. Yeah, Washington has not won anything. No World Series at all. And right. believe it or not, after Washington is Texas. Because they had a very strong first half of the decade. The last years have not been good, but the first couple of years were very strong. They had two World Series appearances in, in 2010 and 2011. Well, at least these teams, as fans, and you go into the season every year with hope and thinking that you... You know, based on prior years, you have a chance. Now, it looks like the only team that has multiple world championships besides Boston is who? Multiple world championships besides Boston? This this, ten, this last nine years. Um, well, since I'm driving and I'm concentrating on the road... Uh, and I it's the San Francisco fans. Giants. Thank you. Okay. 2010, 2012, 2014. Thank you. They average only... 83 wins this last nine years. But, you know, would you rather be a fan of the... The last nine years, would you rather be a fan of the Giants, who won three championships, averages 83 wins, or the Yankees, who averaged 91 wins, but didn't even make it to the World Series? Well, I mean, you want to have... I want to have championships, obviously. So, yeah, if you're looking back in hindsight, yeah, now, of course. But, again, you want your team to be competitive every year. And the Yankees are competitive every year. But so is San Francisco for the most part. For the most part. These last two years they have, have not been. They've won only 64 games in 17 and 73 and 18. But you, you, your point is, is valid. Supposedly they were trying to get Bryce Harper this year, right? The, he was one of the teams that was, that was interested in him. And I don't even know that Bryce Harper is going to, uh, to make the difference. Although, although I was listening to uh, Matt's Musings and... You sent an email in. Now, you mentioned that facing Bryce Harper in the division, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you say something you don't think that it's going to be a big deal that he's in our division? I said it's not going to be a big deal. He just went from the from the Nationals to the Phillies. He'll hit his home runs in Philadelphia. I mean, he'll hit a lot of home runs, but also he'll, he'll strike out a lot and, and hit the second, hit ground ball to second base. Remember, he's only a... 279 lifetime hitter. I know, but don't you think that uh, the Phillies now are a... Do you think the Phillies now are a better team than the Mets? Right now, they're... they're I would say this. They're much improved. The four top teams, the, the, the Braves, the uh, Nationals, the Mets, and the Phillies, I think they're all right there, and a couple breaks either way. Any, any one of those four teams can win it. So, are they better... Probably on paper with JT Riamuto and Segura yeah. and, and Harper, but Mets have superior pitching. I'm not scared of uh, Arietta, not scared of Nola. So, you know, Mets have the, the advantage in pitching. 
they, yeah, they have the advantage in pitching. Of course, they've got DeGrom, last year's Cy Young winner. But, again, I still worry about the Mets' offense. I don't, I, the Mets' offense is not scary unless, you know, unless Conforto has a, a really good year. And uh, uh, what, you, what you call it, uh, the new guy, Alonzo, if Peter Alonzo uh, gets the first base job. Or even uh, Dominic Smith, you know, continues this great spring he's having. But otherwise, you've got, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, who's out, uh, hurt, um, you know, Cespedes. Cespedes. Yeah, I mean, Cespedes is not coming back till at least the second half. Wait, wait, how do we get on the Mets? Well, I'm just, we're talking about the Phillies and, and, and I'm, your email, and I don't know. Where are you? you want to listen to the email, go listen to Mets Musings, because he, Gary Mack does a great job. He goes in and he, and he reads my email, so uh, that's my opinion over there. I know, you were giving stats. You were, you I was were talking about your stats, which was a beautiful chart. You've got it all color-coded. Color, oh, it's color-coded. I mean, thing. I, see, I see greens and yellows, but of course I'm driving, so you know. Right. So those four teams, there's four teams marked in red. Those are four teams that have not made the playoffs this decade. They are Seattle, okay, who made the playoffs no times. There's the Chicago White Sox, who made the playoffs zero times. Miami and San Diego also did not make the playoffs. Those are the only teams that have not made the playoffs in this decade. San Diego now just added uh, Machado, so they're uh, they're looking to. Uh... They, they're, they're... They're doing pretty good. They have Fernando Tatis Jr. in their farm system. Who's supposed to come up this year. Right. But, again, no pitching. Right. Well, the, the Mets have pitching. That's true. I don't know why I keep coming back to the Mets, but... Anyway, continue. The- <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just talk about Bryce Harper for, for, another, for another minute. All right. Bryce had an outstanding MVP year in 2015. Yes. He hit, he had, well, I've got a 345 average, he had led the league in home runs, he had was up there in RBIs, he was, you know, he was all world that year. Yes. Another year he did hit 300, I think it was 2017. Okay. But on that, he's up and down. I'm not sure he's really, you know, obviously he got the contract, but was he worth it? Do you think he was worth that much? I think what, what, what they're banking on is he's 26, and they're hoping, obviously, that he's you know, going to be the, the the all-star caliber player. Now, 13 years of that? No. Is he going to be that player for 13 years? I'm sure he'll have some years close to that. Maybe he'll have a couple of years that are in that range. But it's the fact that he's 26, and you don't get a lot of guys who become free agents at 26 in their prime. He has had a couple of really good years. Last year was so... I mean, last year wasn't bad. Um, he started slow, and then he got better. But he's never taken a team and put them on his back no. to take them to uh, the World Series. No, no, he hasn't. He hasn't. And Washington has always failed. Right now he's in Philly. He's going to hit his home run just because Philly, of the of the ballpark dimensions. You know, if he he'll have, I predict he'll be like a two eighty hitter, forty home runs, a hundred RBIs. Now that's a very good year. It is. That's not. Superstar year. That's not Mickey Mantle type numbers, which is was his idol, and he, and he that's what he thinks he's going to do. No, but if he does that, let's put it this way: if he does that for ten years, right? If he does that for ten years, he's in the Hall of Fame. Well, let's see him being consistent. Let's see him do it one year, and then follow it up with another year, because he, he did it in 2015. He just didn't follow it up. Well, he has a home now. I mean, he had a home with Washington, but you know, we'll we'll see. But of course, you know, in baseball, it's one player. Yeah, you could put the team on your back, but it's it's a lot different than, you know, basketball where one player makes a huge difference. You know, Greg Prince said that he was famous just for being famous, which I, which is true, and which I think got him that much of a contract. Could be. I mean, it was, yeah, all anyone talked about was where is Harper going to go? Is Harper going to go to the Yankees? You know, it was, it was Harper and Trout, uh, but Trout is a much better player than Bryce Harper. There's no comparison. Yeah, much better player. So, wait, that was topic four. That was well. I don't, that's it. I'm out of topic, but we can go on and talk about the. It's halfway through spring training. What's your impression so far? Well, the the thing with spring training, it, it, from everything you hear, 
is basically these guys go in now. It's not even getting ready for the season. It's it's trying to stay healthy. Right. I mean, but you have a couple of free agents out there, free agent pitches, which yeah. the Yankees could use. Any any of the teams yeah, could I'm, use. I'm shocked. Dallas Keiko yeah. and Gio Gonzalez. Yeah. Why haven't these guys signed? I can't believe it. I mean, the Yankees. The Yankees have um, uh, who just got Severino. Just got right. Severino's hurt. I can't believe that the Yankees haven't just swooped in and, and taken one of these guys. The old Yankees would have in a heartbeat. They would the, the Yankees wouldn't have waited this long. They would have signed one of them before Severino got hurt. Obviously, and, and you know, Gio Gonzalez is a perfect fit there. Yeah, I know he's a little older in age, but he's a lefty, and he doesn't have to pitch five, you know, more than five innings with right, that ball. He's got a great bullpen. But again, the, you can't. The Yankees are, you know, they're expected to do great this season. You know, they've got the hitting, they've got the bullpen, but I don't love their starting pitch. Now they're pitching is really, you know, you have old, old and fat CC who's who's going to who's start on the DL and he right. suspended the first five games. He right. comes back. You have uh, Tanaka who has that uh, that problem with his with his arm. Who might right. have, you know, he's one pitch away from T- Tommy John surgery. Uh, you have Paxson who, who, you know, he, he's pretty good, but he's never done it really a full year. But, okay, so baseball is changing a lot. The bullpen is becoming so important now. I mean, it's it's more than it's ever than it, than it has been. So the Yankees have this great bullpen. But I still, you still can't discount starting pitching. You, you can't. I mean, these guys have to go at least five innings. Right. You know, five or six innings. Let's say five at the minimum. And well, they and have to go five. They, they, they have to go five to qualify for a win or right. a win. But who do they I, have that, that that's going to give you those five? Well, you have J. A. Happ who, who can uh, who can pitch. Uh, like I said, Paxton's pretty good, but he's never really pitched a full season. Mostly, right. he pitches 160 innings. So you know they can use a Keiko or or, or a Gonzalez. I just don't understand right. what they're doing. Now, of course, you asked about spring training. So, um, you know, you hear about some injuries. You hear about some guys now that you know. I, I, off the top of my head, I forget, but I just saw somebody uh, is lost for the season. Tommy John, I forget the team. Uh, oh, yeah, Salvador Perez. Okay. So, again, all these, and, and, and I'm not, this is not an original thought to me. I read it somewhere that it's it's more, instead of getting ready for the season, it's trying to stay healthy. These, these guys, I don't know, is spring training too long? These guys are, they come in, I mean, right away. And, and the Mets had two third basemen. You got Frazier and uh, and then um, Lowry. Yeah, Lowry. Who and they, and they're both hurt and and aren't going to start the season. And that's just the Mets. Well, I, I heard a very interesting thing about spring training. Is it you? You mentioned is it too long? I think for the hitters, it might be too long. Uh, I know a former pitcher. I don't don't know who said this, but it, pitching they really need the spring training for the pitching. There might be too many games, but you know what? That's really for the economy of the minor leagues where they're playing. In Florida and Arizona, they really mean a lot, and it's economical. Yeah, but you know what else, though, with the, with the pitching? If the, if the pitchers now are going to pitch less innings, right, I don't know that they need to— the, the more that they train in spring training, right, the more they lengthen their arms out. So, you know, they start off the beginning of spring training pitching one inning, and then they up it to two, and they keep going, right, till they get— to, you know, six or seven innings. But if these guys aren't going to pitch that many innings during the regular season, maybe they don't need as many games. Which brings me to this other question for you. You're right. Now, will a DH come in the National League? Yeah, the DH is going to come in the National League. As much as as much as much us National League f- fans don't want it, yeah, they're going to they're gonna get a DH. And you hit it right on the head because you said... Pitchers aren't going more. There's only a few pitchers who, who the elite pitchers will go in the game, will go long. The uh, the Groms and the Scherzers and the, and the uh, Kershaws, Baumgarners, they will go seven, eight innings. Right. The other pitchers, the not not so top level pitchers, they're going to go five innings, six. Maybe they'll get one, maybe two turns at that. That's the reason I can see the DH coming to National League. Not that all oh, they're running the bases. Right. Not that they're hitting. Oh, you want to get hit running or swinging? It's because they're not going to get the bats. They're going to get one at that, two at the most. So at that point, that's why I feel the DH is coming. Will be coming to National. Not that I'm happy about it. I'm not. Yeah. But, but I can see that's the reason. Not don't don't give me the, oh they're going to get injured running base. That's that's a uh, Milwaukee. Right. No. But that's a good point. Your point is very good. But yeah, it'll probably come. 
and and again these these guys you know they they go through the uh, lineup they've shown that they go through the lineup twice and then on that third time through they get they get hit hard so twice through the lineup is what the fifth inning right fifth that's it yeah so yeah you're right so most of them you that's these bullpens are really going to be a big deal but then the question is so it's almost like they're pitching wise um, I guess there's st- you're still going to carry five starters. Uh, is it going to get to the point where you only carry four starters because you need the extra l- relief guys? I, I don't know. Wh- whoever thought that you'd have uh, relief guys starting a game? Right. I mean, that was a, a, a... If I told you that, if I said that to you one day, you probably would have said you were yeah, right. You're crazy. Right. And then we saw it. So, you know, nothing surprises me. I got a question for you. What about these shifts? Are they ever going to make them illegal? Or should they make them illegal? Well, it's very very funny you mentioned that because Major League Baseball got into an agreement with the Atlantic League, uh, their independent ball, and they're going to do some experimenting in that league. And one of the rules for this coming in the Atlantic League is having two, two players on either side of the base. So they, they're expend- that's, that's their agreement with them. See how it goes. Right. Okay. Some other uh, rule changes that's going to be experimental in the Atlantic League on behalf of Major League Baseball is they're going to make the bases bigger. Instead of 15 inches, it'll be 18 inches, which is probably a, a smart thing to do. They're going to... Uh, now, his controversial. They're going to move the bound, mound back two feet. So instead of 66 feet, 6 inches, it'll be 68 feet, 6 inches. Huh. And Nelson Figueroa, who's a commentator in, in the local market here, says, you know, he played in the Atlantic League. And these guys are, you know, trying to make a name for themselves, trying, some of them trying to get back and move the mound, mound back two feet. It's going to ruin their arms. Right. But an experiment that the Major League Baseball is willing to take, I guess, with the Atlantic League because it's not it's unaffiliated with Major League right. Baseball. Well, what's going to happen is I would think that's going to help the offense. It would. Right. So Because the breaking ball is not the breaking so much. The 95-mile-per-hour uh, fastball, you lose three miles per hour on each foot. Okay. So that 95-mile-per-hour fastball becomes 89. And it also gives the hitter a little more time to see the ball. That's true. Another rule change which will never happen in Major League Baseball, time between innings is going from 205 to 145. That will never happen. You don't think so? No, because you're going to give up the revenue and commercials. commercials. Right, commercials, of course. Yeah, and I also saw something about... Um, uh, something about a pitch clock or... Uh, There's a pitch clock right now in, in the minor league. Uh, not minor league, in, in spring training. Right, yeah. So, they're, I mean, they're trying to speed the game up, which... The only way to speed the game up is to... Less time in between innings. Right. You know, get rid of... You know, right. cut down commercial do time. That. That's not going to do that. You know, you can save 10 seconds here or whatever. You know, putting the guy on first base after, you know, a, a, you know intentional walk. Big deal. That, that doesn't save anything. No, these guys, but they got to stay in the batter's box. That's the thing. The ba- that's a good point. Staying in the batter's box. You watch games from 10, 20, 30 years ago. They, they got the ball and pitched because the guys were in a box. Right. Now it's they're adjusting their gloves. They're hitting their spikes with the bat. They're walking around. They're, they got to stay in there. And it's after every pitch. And then the, and then the pitcher starts walking around the mound. And it's... But I saw, oh, that you know what I heard? Um, heard this yesterday. Uh, I came in at the tail end of it, but it was something that they're going to have pitchers have to face at least two or three batters, or end the inning. Right. I think that the rule is face three batters, or at the end of the inning. Yeah. So that's. Uh, that's going to stop, uh, and it's not. What, what league are they doing that in, though? The Atlantic League. Okay, again, the Atlantic League. So that's going to stop uh, as many pitching changes. Well, you know what? That's the strategy. You taking strategy. You know, right. you had that left-handed reliever for the face that one guy, the lefty. You're taking that strategy right out of the game. Right. I guess. It, I guess what it does is, is create new strategy, different strategy. It, right. It creates new strategy, but again, also their strategy, these the shifts, right. That's a strategy. A lot of people don't like it, but it is a strategy. Somebody came up with the fact that this guy always hits to the right side, so we're going to shift everybody over and, or, you know, wherever, and that's a strategy. So they're always coming up with something to 
be different. Yeah, and a strategy to beat that is to hit it the other way. Right. Lay down a bunt. Right. Get on base. You know, that's the strategy to beat it. Right. So there'll always be a strategy to beat a strategy. I mean, it's... They'll always come up with something. All right, Len. We've talked a while. We're going to go... We're on our way to Atlantic City. For the Barbecue Expo. You want to tell us a little about that before we get there? Well... All I know is there's going to be a, some a lot of vendors, a lot of barbecue, and we're going to interview some of the um, some of the vendors, some of the people there, some of the cooks. Uh, we may even see some people that we've known that we've seen before. Is there a competition going on? There, yeah, there's supposed to be a competition. Luckily, uh, it's 44 degrees out bec- uh, because these guys are going to be outside for a long time. The, the expo's inside, but obviously the cooking is outside, so these guys are going to be kind of cold. All right. Well, I know who's going to be there. When we went to Staten Island last year, the Beard one, I don't remember his name. Right. But Beard one BBQ is going to be there. Yes. And I'm looking forward to meeting him again. Yeah, me too. This, I think this is the first one they're having, so we'll see how it is. Hopefully it's good so that they do it again next year. I'm looking forward to some good eats. Yeah, some brisket, some ribs, some. See what they have. All right. All right, so we are here at the expo, the Len and Jeff Roadshow, baseball and BBQ. We are here with Mark Mangano. I, I saw Operation Barbecue Relief, and I got so excited because I know the work that these guys do. So, I I'm not going to interview myself here. Okay. I'm going to interview Mark, but. You guys, this is a great thing. It's Operation Barbecue Relief. Mark, tell us about it. Sure. Tell us what you're doing today. Tell us about the, the your all the relief efforts. Sure, you guys absolutely. Agree. Thank you. Appreciate it. By the way, thank you very much for finding us and and and, and giving us this opportunity. But to give you a quick uh, uh, description of who we are and what we do, uh, so we're Operation Barbecue Relief. We're a 501 not-for-profit charity organization. We're a disaster response team. We travel nationally around the country. Uh, feeding first responders, victims, and people who were displaced from hurricanes, tornadoes, any disaster. Uh, so we actually have a little bit of paperwork here. We actually just hit our three millionth meal. We served our three millionth meal this year, actually, uh, in Florida. Uh, so we've we've that's a pretty big. Uh, yeah, they give hot meals. Right. I, right. I mean, they, were, so our goal is to provide that one warm, hot barbecue meal to somebody. If we've changed their attitude and brought a smile to their face for maybe five minutes you know we've done our job and our marketing director came up with a saying it's uh, it's not about serving three million meals it's about serving the one meal that made a difference three million times and that's really a better way to look at it. Think about that number, three million. Three million. Right, three million. And, and if you think about it as that one, the you take it and break it down three million meals. It's we're, You're giving somebody a little bit of hope three million times, and it, it really is powerful. It's a powerful message to get across. But go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, you go around to disaster areas. Sure. Yep. We just got back from Wilmington, uh, North Carolina. We were down in Panama City, Florida. Uh, we wound up feeding a couple hundred thousand people down in both of those deployments. I went to both. Um, I'm, in, I'm the North Jersey state lead. We also have a South Jersey lead. Uh, he's here today. Uh, he's just not here right now. His name is David Keith. Uh, so yeah, so we that's you know that's kind of us in a nutshell. And, and you know, I'd like to actually, if you don't mind, we just uh, launched a new project. It's yeah, called Al- yeah. the Always Serving Project. And so the reason why we're here today to kind of get our name out, introduce who we are, and also talk about our new project. Uh, so our project now has uh, three stages. Uh, it is uh, providing, uh, we're, we're always providing meals. So we used to just provide them in disasters, but now that we're always serving, when there's not a disaster, we still want to continue that fight against hunger. Our first, our first stage is to, f- to feed uh, homeless, and we're going to homeless shelters, and we're, we're feeding people, probably mostly during the holidays, Thanksgiving, maybe a, a meal during Easter or Christmas or New Year's, and, and just kind of going into a shelter in any community and, um, you know, just giving back and, and, and sort of just providing that the warm meal for the, for the person that might need it on that, t- that time. The other st- stage two, the first responders. We want to feed and, and recognize our first responders, our firemen, our police officers. Uh, we go into fire stations and maybe, you know, firehouses, they'll do a, a wet down where they'll introduce a new truck, right? You refer to those. Or, or they'll just have a, a, a volunteer fi- uh, fireman barbecue. 
we'll go in and we'll do that for them and we'll just you know get a bunch of volunteers and we'll bring our equipment and we'll feed uh, we'll feed them just to know that the first responders you know because that's who we we feed when we're on a deployment you know it's not just the victims it's the guys who are getting the right who, who are helping people and, and bringing the power back the line guys uh, so we're, we're we're giving back to them and then our third and, and I think my favorite part is uh, the military uh, so what we'll do is we'll go to a base and um, we'll provide uh, we'll, we'll, we'll provide either a picnic or a barbecue for a bunch of uh, you know military uh, soldiers who are just being deployed and they're spending the last couple of moments with their family before they go overseas uh, we'll throw them a party we'll, we'll, we'll sponsor that party or the other the other side where they're just coming back and they just came off of a you know of their of, of another tour that they just did and there's a whole platoon uh, they're just coming back to celebrate with their families and we'll provide the meal for them as well uh, think, for that think about how how much we love barbecue right these guys that that are in these disaster situations right that that haven't had fresh water haven't had fresh food in days and then to have a barbecue meal it, it's incredible um, tell yeah. us about when you guys, uh, how, how'd you start? How did, how did this start? You, and where are you based out of? Sure. Uh, so we are. We started uh, in 2011 uh, in uh, Jopl- Joplin, Missouri, after the, the big tornado out there. I'm sure you've heard of it. Uh, so our two founders, Will Cleaver and Stan Hayes, uh, they kind of just, they saw the disaster in their community and they said, we got to do something. Uh, and they got up and, you know, they're barbecue competition guys. So they decided to, t- they pulled their equipment in the middle of town and just started feeding people, feeding first responders, feeding people who just lost everything. And uh, they, they spent, you know, two, three days turned into two, three weeks. And they realized that there's a need for this. The community came together and they saw this and they said, look, there's, there's a stopgap here, right? There, there, there's a need for, for us to be here to feed the people who are here, not only, you know, who are here, but people who are coming into this community to help. And we're there to, to just provide that meal to those people, just to provide a little bit of hope. Uh, so that's how we started. And, and then we just blew up from there. We turned into from 20 volunteers to 200, 2,000. You know, we have over probably 30,000 volunteers now nationally. So I'm, I'm from New Jersey. Uh, like I said, I'm the North Jersey state lead. And uh, I got involved during Hurricane Sandy. Since we were already only a year old at that time, I heard about our organization through, I was a barbecue competitor myself, and a couple of friends had said, hey, we're going out to Hoboken to feed some people with this Operation Barbecue Relief. Never heard of them. I said, let's go. You know, I had, uh, I had some people who were affected by Sandy, and I, was, I wanted to give back. We wound up spending a couple of weeks there, and then we wound up setting up another state uh, deployment down in Brick, New Jersey. Uh, we did a lot of uh, feeding down there, and then we set up a deployment out in uh, Staten Island. And we wound up feeding a couple hundred thousand people, actually. Uh, so let me food. ask you, cooking for all these people must take a lot of food. Is it all donations? Yes, and, uh, all of our how food. How do you get so funded? Our, so our funding this? comes from jars like this here. This is why we're, you know, we're coming out here looking for, for donations today. And, um, and we have corporate sponsorships. Yeah. So we are our sponsors. I mean, we have sponsors. Sunbelt, Seaboard Meats. You know, our cool, we have a lot of coolers that are donated by Yeti. Uh, so, so those are, you know, how we get a lot of our equipment and, and our food, our meats and things like that. And, and, you know, obviously everything that goes into these jars right. goes directly into um, providing the hot barbecue meals, right? So one dollar feeds one, provides one meal, right? So that's, that's kind of how we've come up with our, our, our numbers. But, but that's it. That's how we, we're funded completely by either corporate sponsorship or, donate, or donations. Okay. And we... How can our listeners donate? Uh, donate? Yes. Okay. So uh, you just go to uh, operationbarbecue.org or obr.org. Uh, you just as soon as you get to the website, you'll see the donation link. You can also donate on uh, our Facebook page, Operation Barbecue Relief, as well as Instagram, all the social media pages. It's all the same, Operation Barbecue Relief. Um, and there's an app, a phone app. You can get it on your your Motorola or your Motorola. I'm like talking old school now. Your, uh, your, your iPhone, Android, exactly. Right. It's called the OBR Volunteer app. And again, if you wanted to volunteer, you can sign up to volunteer through that app as well as donate as well. So there's a lot of different ways to donate uh, and, and, uh, and support. Fantastic. Thank you. You guys, amazing work. I, I heard about you. And, I appreciate it. Uh, I've seen stories on you guys and just it's fantastic. 
So I, th- I thank you very much yeah. for finding me Thanks, and Mark. for giving me the opportunity to, to speak a little bit about what we do. Thank, thank, thank you, Mark. Thank you. Very much. Pleasure. Thanks. We're here at the BBQ Expo with Ray Sheehan of Barbecue Buddha. Ray, I see sauces, I see rubs, I tasted them, they're fantastic. Fantastic. Tell Thank us, you so tell much. us about the business. Um, well, we're in our fourth year. We've won numerous awards for our sauces. They're all natural. There's no artificial colors, flavors, preservatives in any of them. One of our sauces finished 11th in the uh, Best Sauce on the Planet contest at the American Royal for the tomato category. The other sauce, my Memphis uh, Mop Barbecue, has won uh, the Awards of Excellence in uh, the National Barbecue Association in uh, in their conference in Texas. We just won the World Hot Sauce Awards uh, for the entire barbecue division. Uh, so we're, you know, we also have some rubs. So uh, and like I said, they're all natural. We're doing this without pumping them up full of MSG or anything else, um, right. and just really premium ingredients. So in other words, they're pretty good. Yeah. Well, we like to think so, yes. And uh, we do sponsor five professional barbecue teams, uh, and they're they're winning big awards with these rubs and sauces. So uh, it's given us motivation to uh, expand the line. That's an interesting name, Barbecue Buddha. How did you come up with that? Basically, uh, we're saying that the Buddha is a wise sage, and he, he knows a lot about barbecue. And if you buy our products, you will too. They'll enlighten your fire. We have to change the name of our podcast. <laughs> Baseball, BBQ, and Buddha. <laughs> Wow, that's now. How did you? Okay, so how did you get into the business? Uh, I kind of fell into the business. My wife gifted me a smoker. Uh, Tell us the type. And it was it was a little uh, electric smoker. I quickly graduated into a uh, a gravity fed uh, Vulcan Myron Mixon smoker, uh, and now I have a massive Meadow Creek uh, smoker with a chicken cooker on the front, a forty two inch chicken cooker. So uh, I can cook for the whole neighborhood now. Nice. I, I, I'm moving. Where do you live? I'm going to New Egypt, New Jersey. That's where we're we going. are based in New Egypt, New Jersey. New Egypt, New Jersey. I, yep. I'm going to see if there's a house next door to you for sale. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> I'm making uh, I'm making bacon next week, oh. and uh, I use our belly rub seasoning on it. It's a low sodium, all purpose uh, rub. It's great on pork, chicken, but my favorite way to have it is on roasted salmon. If you like salmon, that's the way to go because it adds a lot of flavor without the salt. You know, I. I I love to make cedar plank salmon. You ever make that? Uh, I do. I actually write for the National Barbecue News. I have a a, a monthly column in there where I provide recipes, product reviews, that kind of thing. And one of the dishes that I did this year was a cedar plank salmon. Matter of fact, let me see if I have a copy. I might have one over there. I can give it to you. I subscribe to that, actually, the the newsletter. not right. not from the NB. This is the uh, National Barbecue News. They are the paper for like the SCA. Oh, okay. okay they okay. give all the news for the NBBQA. Because uh, there is Illinois. one you can subscribe online. Right. And, okay. Right. This is digital and in print. Um, but right. I do have. I'm giving away some com- complimentary copies today. So I'm going to hook you guys up oh, with thank some. You very uh, much. Thank you barbecue very much. News. Thank you. If somebody want to find you on the web to purchase anything, where can they go? www.bbqbuddha. Dot com. That's bbqbuddha.com. You know, the, the part with the all-natural is the best part because you go to the supermarket and, you know, you see all the sauces on the shelf. And, and the first ingredient, well, usually it's either water or tomato, and after that it's, it's, it's ingredients you can't you've even never pronounce, heard of. Yeah. Right. Well, you've never heard of those. You won't find that with our products. We do start with ketchup, so it kind of looks like a longer list because you have right. to list everything in the ketchup, everything in the mustard. Right. But they're all natural. It's nothing that you couldn't pronounce and that you wouldn't be – there's nothing that you wouldn't want to give to your family. Now, how long did it take you to come up with your first sauce? The first sauce, probably 100 tries right. before I really was confident to bring it to market. I helped another team out doing competitions. The, sauces and, uh, the sauce and the rub was well-received, and then I decided to give it a shot, and I interviewed probably four or five different co-packers before I set on one that had integrity that would use, make my products with consistency and, uh, and a reasonable price. Yeah, the we um, we interviewed Greg Luzinski, who was a baseball player. He has a place called Bulls Barbecue in Philadelphia at the Citizens Ballpark, and he also he made the sauce, and then he makes it in these huge batches. And um, same same thing as far as with packing it and everything. Right, it's, yeah, it, it, it's definitely important when you're looking for someone to make your products that you share the same passion and this and uh, desire to create a consistent product. Again, where can we find you? BBQBuddha.com. That's B-U-D-D-H-A. Buddha. 
Thank you. Thank Ray. you, Ray. Thank, Thank you, you so your much. Your sauce is awesome. It was a pleasure speaking to you, and we really appreciate it. Listeners, you got to buy it. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thanks. All right, so we're here with Lisa, Joe. Um, I'm not even... Say Get her. Get her, mm-hmm. okay, from BB, from Barbecue Guru, BBQ Guru, right? And we're baseball and BBQ, and they're BBQ Guru. They, I was just saying they're the reason we're at this show because that's how I found out about it. I got an email from you guys, and uh, it's been great. So tell us about BBQ Guru. Well, Barbecue Guru was the first company in the market, in the industry, to come out with automated temperature controls for barbecues, you know, charcoal and wood-fired grills and smokers. And we've been doing this since 2003. We manufacture most of our parts right at our factory in Warminster, Pennsylvania. We've expanded our line throughout the years to various levels of controls and different uh, advancements in the technology. And now we've got our own line of smokers. So we have a cabinet smoker, which is called the shotgun smoker. And then we also have ceramic smokers that are the monolith smokers. I I actually saw someone rolling... I think a monolith smoker out before. Yes, I sold two of them today at the show. I saw oh, them. Nice. I said, I, I, as soon as I saw it, I said, there goes a monolith. Yes. <laughs> yes. So tell us how the temperature, for some of our listeners might not know, how, how does a temperature control work and what, what would you use it on? Like what kind of grill? You can use it on almost any charcoal or wood, wood burning grill. So the principle behind our controls is that you hook a fan up to your smoker, and we can retrofit to almost any smoker out there. And our controls are going to plan how to get to and keep your temperature. What's special about them is they're predictive, so they're always planning, you know, how much air do we need to keep the temperature exactly where you've set it for. So the idea is to set it like you would an oven. You set it and you forget it. And it really starves the fire of the air that it needs to burn, and it only provides enough air to get the temperature and keep the temperature you want. It's smart enough to know that when you've opened the door or the lid of your cooker, it'll sense that sudden fluctuation, and it will know, hey, we don't want to blow the fan at this time because we were already introducing air. And even if you do overshoot, it'll compensate accordingly as it'll track everything that's going on on your smoker. Really handy when you're making something that's like an overnight cook. Oh, yes. Right? Oh, yes. And then our latest model, the CyberQ Cloud, you can actually monitor and change your settings from any internet browser, any device, anywhere in the world. Wow. Yes. <laughs> you know, I've, I've had people say, oh, well, you know, I want to I wanna do it all myself. But uh, at 2 or 3 in the morning, you really don't want to be going outside to uh, check on it. To know that it's going to yes. be constant temperature is very nice. There is a beauty to rolling over and opening one eye in the middle of the night <laughs> and seeing everything's good to go. <laughs> so I'm looking around your booth, and it's just like the, the smoker. You have accessories. You have grubs. You have sauces. Yes. You have knives. Uh, so you have to a whole complete line of uh, We are yeah, one-stop shop. We sell a lot of accessories, rubs, sauces, knives, so wood chips, wood chunks, and we have much more also available on our website. And you have this, which I've heard about, this rib ring, which yes. is very cool. That, that does, that's, uh, that does yeah. look cool, yeah. Tell, tell us about this. So uh, rib rings, that is our patented product that we released last year. And what it can do is it will hold six racks of ribs in a circular pattern, which is obviously great for a Kamado-style grill. Normally, ribs take up so much room, so we came up with this way to line them in this circular pattern, really maximize the space. Or you can change it up and do five racks of ribs with a whole chicken in the middle. This is great for, like, a Weber Smoky Mountain? Oh, yes. Any grill or smoker that has a minimum of 18-inch diameter... So it'll work great on your WSMs, on your Big Green Eggs, your Kamado Joes, any round or Kamado style cooker. Yeah, this is like the size, this is maybe like the size of a small pizza. And it's really, so it's not that big. And the thing you could do, you could fit six racks on here. Or like you said, five and then the chicken is amazing. Because space is always a commodity on these grills. Exactly. Yeah. That's one of the arguments where you always see, should I get a 22-inch Weber Smoky Mountain or an 18-inch? And then it's, you know, do I want to burn this much charcoal? This will take care of that. Well, and the great thing, too, is if you're cooking on a Weber Smoky Mountain, you've got the dual levels. You can put two of those, and you can be cooking 12 racks of ribs 
at the same time on your Weber Smoky Mountain. And that's enough for you, Len. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, a couple of, couple of racks short for me, but I'll, I'll, I'll survive. <laughs> no, this is great. Yeah, it, it really will, it, the size to fit that many, it's a rib rack, but it's a rib rack that fits a lot. Yes. And, and a lot of times those rib racks, they're straight, and you can't always fit them because they, they go along, and this is circular, and this is, it's very nice. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'm, I'm, I really like uh, Can you talk to us about the, your charcoal here, your wood, wood chip? You have apple, you have cherry, pecan, and hickory. That is correct. So we source our wood chunks from North Carolina, and we actually make them in two sizes. So these bags that you see here are our mini wood chunks, and they are cut down to just little rectangles, and they'll actually fit in the wood chip feeder system on our monolith. Uh, grills. So they come with what makes them special from a lot of other Kamados is that they have a little trap door that a wood chip feeder mechanism will fit into. So you can add more smoke to your cook during, uh, you know, your long cooks. And then the chips are kind of a pain sometimes. You know, you spill them or, you know, it gets a little messy. So we decided to go with these little chunks cut into perfect squares that fit in that system. And then we also have the same wood that are in much larger chunks that come in eight pound bags. Now tell us about the monolith, because you mentioned their Kamado grills, yes. Kamado cookers. Now, a lot of people are probably familiar with the Big Green Egg, oh, yes. which is a Kamado. But the Big Green Egg is a great grill, but, you know, it's a little expensive or whatever. Um, and there are other Kamado grills, oh, yes. but tell us about it. Well, the monolith is from a German-engineered smoker. It's been out in Europe for quite a few years now, and we were looking for a, a partner. We wanted to find the right grill to integrate our automatic temperature control system into, and monolith was a perfect fit. So we've integrated our fan right into the left side of it. It hooks directly to our one of our controls, although you can use it without a control, just like any other normal Kamado. So what does make it special, as you were mentioning, is uh, its price point. It's, it's a very high-quality grill at a great price that includes many accessories. So your bamboo shelves are included, the stands included, your pizza stone. As I mentioned, it's got this trap door for adding additional uh, wood chips. And it's a thicker ceramic, and it just makes something easy even easier because your fans built right in you set your temperature on your barbecue guru control and it retains heat it is so efficient i mean it'll burn for days before it runs out of charcoal and it's just been a really super partnership they're starting to take over here in the u.s and in canada and we're just so pleased with it nice so how how can our listeners contact you guys buy these stuff see it online give us the information yes you can visit us at barbecueguru.com that's bbqguru.com or monolithgrills.com you can always call us 800-288-GURU that's 800-288-4878 or you can email us customer service at the bbqguru.com thank you i want to thank you also for being a sponsor of this event We've really enjoyed this event. Thank it's you. the BBQ Expo at uh, in New Jersey at the Showboat, and it's been great. I'm so, so pleased to hear yeah. that. Thank you Thanks so much for coming. Much. Thank you. We hope to do it again next year. Oh, yes. Thank you. Wow. Jeff, that was a road trip, uh, to a really great road trip. Yes, it was. Very, very delicious, I might say. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. But first, let's just... Once again, thank Mark Mangano of Operation Barbecue Relief, Ray Sheehan of Barbecue Buddha, and Lisa Joe Getter of Barbecue Guru. Barbecue Guru was one of the sponsors, and I want to thank them personally because uh, the rib ring that we spoke about with Lisa um, on the uh, it, with the interview, uh, she gave me one, and I'm looking forward to using it. Well, I hope you use it very well. I hope to uh, be invited over to, you know, enjoy what you will be cooking with your rib ring. Fits six, six racks of ribs or five racks and a whole chicken. That's a lot of food. That is. And so you need to be cooking for a lot of people. So if you want to be invited over to Len's house, you can give us a call at 516-855-8214 or give us an email. Our email address is baseballandbbq at 
gmail.com. Leave a message on our Facebook page. Leave a comment. Say, Len, I want to be invited over. And also, guys, go on go on the websites of the um, we mentioned, whether it's Operation Barbecue Relief, Barbecue Buddha, or Barbecue Guru, and check those websites out. They've got great products. There's recipes. There's products. I mean, you could get lost in, in there. If you're a barbecue fan... Or you and you're looking for a grill. Uh, Barbecue Guru has the Monolith Grill, which is a really great grill. There's great sauces and rubs on all the sites. Um, I mean, except for Bar- Operation Barbecue Relief, but that's a great thing in itself. They do great work. Oh, yes, absolutely, donate to them if you can. They do great work uh, helping the the first responders and anybody who needs a, a hot meal in a disaster area. Yeah, can you imagine? Now I, I've heard about them all throughout the year. Can you can you believe there's a disaster and the next thing you know they're there with their smokers, with their trucks, setting up and making all these hot meals for the people in need, the first responders. I mean that's really an incredible operation. It's absolutely wonderful, and uh, you know we thank them for doing that for for all our uh, people. Also, guys, another website that you should check out is baseballnbbq.weebly.com. Jeff has been doing a fantastic job of keeping that website updated. You can also find our latest episodes on the website. There's some pictures and different things. Of course, our Facebook page. I mean, there's plenty of ways to find us. Keep in touch, guys. Yes, absolutely. Let us know what you think about this episode. Send us some of your suggestions, be it barbecue, be it baseball. Baseball season's right around the corner. Weather's getting nice. Perfect time for barbecue and baseball. Yes, yeah, spring training is what, what would you say? We got a uh, half of spring training left? I, I think we're coming toward the end. Baseball season starts on March 20th with the Mariners at Oakland A's in Japan. And then it's the rest of the league uh, opens up a week later. They open the season in Japan. How do you feel about that, by the way? Well, you know, they opened up the season in Japan in 2000. The Mets were in it. Right. They went to the World Series. You know, they're trying to globalize the game, which is fine. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with it. I might have a problem getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning to watch the game. But other than that, it, it's great. You know, uh, Ichiro's going back to Japan. It's right. a swan song, I guess. Uh-huh. So that's a great thing. Yeah, but that's opening day. That's opening day for the for the, for our our American pastime, right? The, the, our game. Oh, I mean, it's fine. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I I think I I don't have any issue with them playing games in other places during the season, but I just think I don't know. The opener I think should be played in America. Yeah, in America, but or or in Canada. Or in Canada, right? Yeah. Yep. Right. But anyway, what that's a topic for a different day. So, thank you. Until next time. This is Len. And this is Jeff. See ya. On the boardwalk in Atlantic City, we will walk in a dream. On the boardwalk in Atlantic City, life will be peaches and cream. Out a lady's charms There on a rolling chair He'll roll right into your arms Cinderella You will find your fella Someone that you've waited for In romantic and
one that you've waited for In romantic, enchanted, Atlantic City